Hello and welcome to a Monday edition of the Managing Madrid podcast. Today's episode is all about Casemiro's presentation, a conspiracy theory you may not be ready to hear about, but nonetheless, it's going to be thrown at you. And we also talked about Chuomeni, Kamavinga, and so much more. And as a reminder, over on patreon.com slash managingmadrid, we'll have Tuesday tapas tomorrow night. So Matt Wilty and I, we are going to discuss all things Real Madrid. We typically like to focus on all the players under the Real Madrid umbrella, which includes not only the players on loan, but also the players we still have 50% of the rights to. We cover them just in case of a future sale, but really more importantly, to be quite honest, I think we all deep down know that most of these players are not going to come back to Real Madrid. However, we do it also for our own entertainment purposes, just to have our pulse on these guys so we can have informed opinion when the time comes. So if you're interested in that discussion, that's over, that's going to be over on patreon.com slash managingmadrid tomorrow night and every Tuesday. And also every Thursday is the mailbag exclusively over on patreon.com slash managingmadrid as well. So go over there. Sign up. It's a $3 a month minimum that gets you access to everything. So you get a ton of value in return for your $3. And it's uh, highly recommended. I, I really like it because it's a big Madrid family and you get to be a part of something special. So go inside, do that. And let's get to today's podcast. We're going to be set up here by Ray Hudson and Derek Ray. Let's go. Nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. Wonderful lads that do a great job there. And worth reading about that man there. Time's ended up almost looking like a 6-3-1. Some very good writing about that on the Managing Madrid website. Frustrate podcast as well. Of course, Pere Valverde was a huge part of the equation. All right, hello and welcome to a Monday edition of the Managing Madrid Podcast. I'm your host, Kian Sobani, and I'm joined for the third week running on this new Monday segment with Lucas Navarrete. We are going to talk about stuff that is on our mind since the weekend, really since we last spoke on Thursday. So the Thursday-Monday schedule is working nicely with Lucas and I. Um, Lucas, another farewell ceremony in the books. I don't know how many times we've said that in the past few years. And so it's kind of weird and kind of sad to, to put it that way, but in another way. A really great send-off today in what was a very amicable parting. Uh, good vibes all around. Lots of love between club legend and player. And to be quite honest, as uh, sentimental as it is, another great piece of business. This is the most uh, a 30-plus-year-old has gone for in terms of sale value after Cristiano Ronaldo all time. So if you ask me, that's pretty good business. You kind of funded the Chua Many um, deal in that sense, and you've planned your successor. And as was revealed today, Lucas, a lot of things were cleared up about how this whole thing went down. So um, talk to me about the Casemiro presentation, and maybe what's like what's the, at the top of your mind in terms of since we last spoke? Is there anything that surprised you with the deal once it became official or anything that was on your mind primarily? Again, hey, all, not, not really. It's just... My problem with the with the whole deal was never the uh, the fact of selling Casemiro. Uh, as we as we said last Thursday, my main problem with it is that I feel like, and it seems definitely that way, that Real Madrid are not going to use that money on improving the team, and uh, and I believe that they could, and I believe that they've done that. Like the net spending 
over the last few years has been close to zero, apart from the year when when we signed Jovic and, and Hazard and Militao and all that. Uh, unfortunately, only Militao was a success in that regard. But anyway, when I feel like Real Madrid are going to keep the money in the bank, that's, that's not the Real Madrid we used to know, at least, you know, and it seems to be that these farewell ceremonies are, are kind of the new uh, signing ceremonies, if you will. So we're having so many of them that this is like the new thing in the club. You know, it's obviously pretty and, and fair to, to give these ceremonies to these big legends. But again, my main problem was never the, the, the departure of Casemiro, which I think it makes sense to sell him for that fee. It's probably now or never. I mean, people can say that you could have waited for another year to kind of let Chouameni learn a lot from Casemiro, let Chouameni learn at the club, let Chouameni learn the Spanish style and all that. But at this, on the other hand, you probably know that you are not going to get that offer for Casemiro next year. So it, it was now or never. And I, I'm, I guess it was right for Real Madrid to pull the trigger. But my main issue with it is that I feel like the team could be improved my main focus will be on the right wing spot for sure, and and it's not going to. So that's my my only concern. You know that we are kind of treating our business around financial budget like Real Madrid is some kind of uh, I don't know. FC Porto. No disrespect, but some kind of a smaller club like Porto, yeah, Porto Dortmund or, or Sevilla or Benfica, yeah. Which I don't know if it's a matter of not wanting to spend because of financial reasons, which I don't think is the case, or if it's a matter of they don't see the market opportunities. Which do you think is, is it? I think it's probably a combination of both because all it seems to indicate that they were ready to, to, to splash a lot of money for, for, for Mbappe, for sure. But I think that Madrid probably, and, and this is not official and this is not on the record and nobody's probably going to talk about it, but the renovations at the Bernabeu are probably more expensive now than they were before the war in Ukraine and Russia started. You know, the the the, the materials got a, got way expensive. Inflation is going really high all across the globe. At least here in Spain, I'm not an expert on, on everywhere else in the world, but at least here in Spain, it's it's crazy. The, the the inflation and the prices are going really high. So I'm fairly certain and fairly convinced of the fact that the works at the Bernabeu have been gone really more expensive over the last three, four, five months. And that's probably one of the reasons why Real Madrid are still a bit tied with their with their own budget and and money. The the point I've made several times over the past few days about this specific issue of getting this kind of resale value on, on Casimir or, or just value for Casimir rather and keeping it in the bank as if like we don't have to spend money. It's like you don't only make money when you want to buy something. You also just want to be a healthy financial institution. But having said that, the money is there now. And there is a clear, uh, I'd say at least one clear position we need help in. And that's the right Absolutely. wing. So then I think it just comes down to it's not a matter of they don't want the right winger. Because they obviously were prepared to give all of those, every single cent towards Mbappe and get that player. Then does it come down to they didn't feel like there was anyone worth any kind of money that would be spent for that position after Mbappe? So uh, on one hand, 
to me, like looking at some of these deals, like 100 million for Anthony or 75 million or whatever ended up being for Rafinha, no to both of those ridiculous deals in my opinion. But then it begs the question, why not Gnabry uh, before he ended up just going back to Bayern? Mm-hmm. Maybe they don't rate him that highly. And if that's the case, why not Bernardo Silva if he's attainable? Maybe they don't see him as a right winger. Maybe they see him more of a central midfielder. I don't know. There's a, I, I don't have the answers to these questions, but these are these are definitely questions I have. Um, and I don't see anyone really... I, I don't know who the person is who would be attainable next season, right? So it seems like for now, they're just like, let's play it safe. So we'll see how that ends yeah. up hurting us or not hurting us, you know, a, a year from now. Yeah, to me, the Bernardo Silva move would be textbook. It's just that, that simple, you know. Even if you think he's a central midfielder and not a right wing, you know, as as a professional, as a guy who who, who lives, uh, who makes a living out of football, you know that, Bernard, that the right wing spot is where Bernardo Silva has played most of his career, you know. So even if you think his best position is a central midfielder, that's fair, that's fine, and I probably agree with you, but you can definitely play there, play him there for for one season until Modric either retires or declines more, and then transition him to the to the central midfielder spot, which is where he will excel in in replacing Modric. You know, because he's probably the the the, the biggest uh, and more nat- most natural replacement Modric could have for that spot. So it would be textbook in my opinion about Niavri. I completely agree with you. Also, mainly because I don't see. Any other players becoming uh, uh, attainable, affordable, or whatever for that spot in in the course of, of the year? So, what's your solution going to be in, in 12, 12 months from now? Maybe we'll be trusting more Rodrigo. You're probably trusting Rodrigo to make that leap, that's for sure. But if he doesn't, and he kind of gets stuck in this in the quality he has now, which I think he's still pretty serviceable and, and useful. What's your option? Face another year of Valverde and, and Rodrigo in, uh, on the right wing spot? I don't know. I think Real Madrid uh, shouldn't be probably short sighted when it comes to the, to the right wing spot. It's a, it's a little bit short sighted, in my opinion. I don't see how who magically appears next season, to be quite honest. I, you and I have run down the list of people who become free agents next year, and it's not that exciting of a crop. Um, they're either players who are going to be leaving us, like Marco Asensio, players who are impossible, like Lionel Messi, or players who are underwhelming and would probably have a huge salary, like Marcus Rashford. It, it, you know, Firmino maybe is someone we talked about in terms of someone who could help Benzema in terms of a backup role at that age. Yeah, I don't know. It's not an ex- exciting crop, so it's going to be someone you're going to have to pay for, I think. It's not going to be someone who's going to be expiring and get for free. Either that or someone we just don't know about yet who's going to come and blow up in the World Cup. At the World Cup, yeah. Yeah. That's also possible. My my dream is still Arribas, and I don't know. We'll see. But um, we, you're going to – are we – like, if you had to put a percentage on it, Lucas, what what number would you give it? The chances of Real Madrid signing someone before August 31st? And know, would 10, it be – 10, 15, w- 20%. You- if Asensio gets sold before then – does that number go up to like 80%? I don't think this is going to be sold. So that probably plays a huge factor in, in my overall thinking of this matter. But if he were to be sold, maybe Real Madrid would 
look for something, but not desperately. Definitely not desperate, but only I could only see them making move if it happens, if it appears out of the woods like Camavinga, you know, Camavinga all of a sudden became available pretty much at the deadline last year and, and Real Madrid decided to take that opportunity. But in terms of expectations, my my expectations will be, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 percent. I, I, you, you can never rule out anything in football and in Real Madrid overall, but it definitely looks like the, the, the squad is pretty much close with the exception of maybe... Real Madrid selling Asensio if a good offer comes their way, which I don't think is very likely either. Or, or if someone shows up with for a for a pile of cash from Mariano, which is also one hundred percent impossible. Yeah, well, the, and the yeah. thing is, like, there is no Camavinga this year. Who, like, there is like mm-hmm. Camavinga was a promising young player we've been kind of linked with over the last two years, and we were able to swoop in. Was, like, was going to be a free agent. Yeah, but that person doesn't exist this year. Like, who's going to be that no, last yeah, guy? Yeah. And so, I said this also like earlier in the summer. If we're waiting for Asensio to leave to get someone, we're going to be leaving it too late anyway. There's not going to be anyone who's going to be magically attainable at that at that time. And uh, you know, Asensio was third option right wing is not the absolute worst thing that could ever happen. But it's uh, it's something we basically rode last season towards the end of the season, and it, and it seemed to work out. I do want to talk about Casemiro and too many. Obviously, the standout yeah. things, and, and we can talk about how good of a ceremony it was and how emotional it was, the tears from Ancelotti, the tears from Casemiro. We've all seen that. I don't know if there's any need to discuss all that, but the standout quote was that he said he, he, he knew his time at Real Madrid was up after the Champions League final. So what's your interpretation of that quote? I don't know. Having, having been working at... Uh around football for the last decade or so, I feel like too often these ceremonies are kind of scripted in the sense that, you know, players mm. and, and members of the club get told of what to say for the narrative purposes, for the big public and all that to believe. My, my, my so gut feeling conspiracy. about the whole situation. Not conspiracy, but I don't, I don't believe Casemiro when he says that he, he's, he all of a sudden he, he felt like his, his tenure in the club, his cycle in the club had ended after the, after the Champions League final. I've read some quotes from him right after winning the European, the, the European Super Cup, saying that he won, he wanted to keep winning trophies for the club and all that, blah blah. I don't know. It's uh, obviously you, you don't want him to be controversial after that trophy either. So I get that, but. I don't know. It just feels to me that Real Madrid showed him uh, the door, you know, and by first by buying Chouameni this year, then a big offer came came Madrid's way, and Madrid were very happy to sell. I mean, I don't believe the theory and the, and the narrative that Casemiro went to the club and said, "I got this offer, I want out." You know, I believe that Real Madrid said, "We received this offer for you, and we would like you to consider it." That's my my interpretation and my gut feeling about it. Wow. Okay. So mainly, but also because of his attitude during today's uh, ceremony, you know, if, well, obviously he was very sad, and I can't believe you're very sad after making a decision, still after a personal decision. But I don't know. It's just. It just feel it just felt a little bit that narrative. It just felt a little bit as, uh, scripted to me. I feel like Real Madrid showed him the door. And we're happy to sell. Okay, I I want to say something, which I can't prove, but I felt 
I felt myself in his shoes for like a split second when he was up there crying. And obviously, that's a completely unrealistic scenario because he, I have <laughs> one one millionth the talent he has. He has achieved 100 million times more than I have, and he's standing there leaving Real Madrid, an extremely rich man. But for a split second, when I saw him crying up there, I thought, that's a face of, of oh, shit. I'm going to Manchester United, and I'm leaving this great place. <laughs> um, and I'm about to just experience what Varane and Ronaldo are, are experiencing right now, and that life after this club goes downhill. But that's, that's neither here nor there. Um, so scenario A, Lucas, his words are true. He goes, he's, he's kind of, he feels like maybe he's won everything that he's, he's, he could possibly win at this club. He wants to try something new. He wants a new challenge. He communicates this to the club. Extremely hush-hush, by the way. Not a single journalist in the world picked mm. up on it in these one or two months. Suspicious. Something that is very hard to do in this day and age. But if he was able to pull it off, respect to all parties involved for not leaking a single word of it for one or two months. And then the club says, okay, thank you for letting us know. In that case, we'll make sure we do not lose out on Aurelian Chumeni. We sign him. Make sure that PSG do not, do not get one over us on that one. Lock him up. Okay, okay, Casemiro, we got him now. So if you wanted to explore options, you can. Casemiro looks around Europe, to be quite honest with you. Um... Not many top teams, if any, play with a player like him anymore. So you can, right off the bat, first of all, rule out the obvious ones. Atletico Barca, that's not happening. Manchester City, that's not happening. Um, to be quite honest, I do think, I mean, Chelsea don't need him because they have Kante. But to be honest, like, the, there is a case for, like, Liverpool to actually use someone like Casemiro. Um, and there are other top clubs. But then I think he's if he's if it's true that he was talking to Varane regularly and Varane was trying to convince him and uh, and plus he's getting that salary he ended up choosing Manchester United at the end and then he says what he says and he leaves and that's it scenario B Real Madrid just really wanted to sign Chiumeni and they brought him and they gave Casemiro his game against Frankfurt because that was the starting eleven. And Casemiro's looking around, and, and he gets benched for the Almeria game. And then an offer comes in. I don't know exactly what the order would be if, like, Manchester United looked at that and be like, hey, look, he's not playing. Maybe he's expendable for Amj. Let's put an offer in. Or if it's Casemiro telling his agent, look, I, I don't really, I don't know. This this is not, I'm not, it's not Casemiro Cruz Modric anymore. It's K, it's not KCM. It's kind of breaking up now. I'm still going to play, but this this new kid is here. Let's see if we can find our new home. So it seems like you're leaning towards scenario B and you think that the the press conference yeah. was kind of a, a show. Yeah, absolutely. I I agree with you. I well with with your I, point. I, I didn't I put an opinion. I just presented yeah. scenarios. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, my I, I, I agree with the, with B being at least the the most realistic scenario, in my opinion. I think that's what happened. I think obviously the order of a couple of things may be different. But I lean towards towards your scenario, yeah. When he says uh, people who think I move for money don't know me, how do you interpret that one? Again, narrative and and, and public PR. It's just PR, and, and and that's and that's not a common thing. I mean, there would be no more, not a more honest thing to do and and to say that saying. Uh, 
I leave because I feel like Real Madrid should give me the money that you know that that I deserve. Ultimately, I think that Casemiro this would deserve more money than than when he had been earning in Real Madrid, and there would be no no, uh, and it would be very honest for him to say so. But PR talks in this uh, in these situations and. Same way happened with Ramos last year. Obviously, his very controversial departure and all that, and and his award ceremony felt a bit weird and a bit scripted. And and to me, I was some of the the whole uh, timeline of the situation that both Real Madrid and Casemiro are, are are have been explaining today doesn't feel very very credible to me. In my opinion, it's just it's just my opinion though. I mean, everyone is is entitled to their own to their own thoughts about the matter, but. I just think that it's something closer to a scenario B that Casemiro felt like his uh, tenure as an undisputed starter in Real Madrid has uh, had ended as soon as the club signed to Ameni. He believed that you know this could be also his last summer to get the huge paycheck that he got with Manchester United. Maybe he also felt not only Real Madrid. Maybe he also felt felt like next year would be quite more difficult for him to get this the contract he got this year. So he probably took advantage of the opportunity to, after feeling that you know he's he's not indispensable for for Real Madrid anymore, and, and this is this is something that this is just my opinion anyway. I think it's one of those things you may never know until he releases a book twenty years from now and says, yeah. you know, that summer, yeah. that summer I felt a little bit underappreciated. You know, I was I've done everything for them. They designed this guy to compete with me for a lot of money. I, I don't know. I, I'm making stuff up now. I, I don't want to get ahead of myself. But, but I do think I do believe he was signed and he, he sorry and he instantly earns as much money as I've been earning for the last four or five years. Even though I'm a five-time Champions League winner, you know, it makes sense if you think about it. I think I I do believe him when he says it wasn't necessarily about money because I, yeah, I think it's possible he would have gone to Manchester United anyway. And then the salary is what a salary is. You know, he's not going to say no to an extra five million when he's when he's going to leave anyway. Um, at the same time, the question the, there's a question there to be asked: Would he have stayed if Real Madrid matched the salary? Because from a pure sporting perspective, in my opinion, I think it's better to be rotated with two many at Real Madrid than it is to be a starter at Manchester United. That's subjective. You can believe whatever you want to believe. I personally believe that that club is in shambles and it's very possible by the club by the time they even turn it around or if they do Casemiro Casemiro will be long retired so we'll see how it goes there uh is he gonna he's flying on a plane now to Manchester is that how it works is he gonna be there in time for the game yeah 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 he'll be uh, I've read that he will be at the ultra for for the for tonight's game obviously not playing and his debut should be on the weekend against Southampton I believe so Stay tuned for for that one, everyone who wants to, to watch, obviously. So, I saw your tweets over the weekend during the game. You were impressed with Chiumani's performance to tie this right into the story. Talk to me about that. Yeah, I thought he was great. I was mostly impressed with his performances while Real Madrid was struggling. You know, it's obviously easier to shine when Real Madrid were in control of the game and dominating the game after Celta got a bit tired and and conceded a few counterattacks and all that. It's way easier to shine then in that, in that opportunity. But I was impressed with his performance 
before that happened and right when Real Madrid were struggling and were being dominated, I saw him clearing many, many opportunities inside Real Madrid's own box, which was really great. He's also defending really well, one-on-one, distributing the ball without that um, kind of... Uh, Without settling in like he did last week, if you got if you heard what we discussed a week ago, but yeah, I was I was definitely very impressed. I think I thought he was, to be quite honest with you, one of the one of the best players Real Madrid had in that game, and hopefully there's more to come. Uh, I've read some, I read Om tweeting that uh, you know this is kind of the 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 the. the the typical to a many performance and what we should expect from him. And I, if this is the case, I, I, I am very excited about, about having him in the, in the starting lineup. I thought he was great. And, and Kamabinga too, both of them were, were really well, but in, in terms of to many, I was mostly impressed with his performance when Real Madrid was a struggling. I thought that was very impressive in terms of mindsets also, because it showed great courage, great determination from him, knowing that Casemiro was already gone, knowing that this is his opportunity right now and his duty and his responsibility, not only his opportunity, because opportunity, you know, is a positive word and you need to take advantage of the opportunity and all that, but it, it comes, with that comes the responsibility, you know, and it was his responsibility to perform when all eyes were on him the press was on him and he delivered in a in a big way and i and i thought it showed that he's uh he's a very important player and will be a very important player which is something that you know i kind of expected and knew since you know you don't pay you don't start for the french national team when you're 21 21 years old if you don't have that determination and that courage so i knew that he he should he probably had that kind of courage and determination inside him and he showed it. Yeah, I think that's one misconception about him is that like when we're talking about is he ready and like how raw he is, people tend to forget he's not that raw. He's a polished player starting for the French national team. Like it's not like he's some absolute future project, you know, like it's not like we signed Giannis Antetokounmpo when he's like 15 and hope that he can become the Greek freak. Like he's actually a really good player right now. He's one of the best DMs in the yeah, world. In short, he's not Kamavinga last year. Yeah, that's uh, to summarize it. Kamavinga last year was impressive in that regard because even though he he already had some games under his belt in in the French league and all that, he was we know that he was very young, raw, uh, potential and all that. But he Chuameni is not that kind of product right now. Chuameni has along. been he's already. Yeah, it's far along in the process, yeah. So and I and I made that point also and I wrote about it today. What you said there at the end that like I think if you zoom out and look at Chuamani's career, what we saw against Celta Vigo on the weekend, it's very possible that's probably like a 7 out of 10 for him. It's not like a 10 out of 10 performance where he just dominates. It's just a really good performance. But to me the reason why it was important for him to even be that good is because of the all the all the eyes on him, because of the pressure on his shoulders. Immediately after Casemiro leaves, immediately an, after Ancelotti himself says Chuamani needs to be better with his positioning, he wasn't what we saw in training. Um, all of the pressure, everyone coming out and saying like, "Oh, should we play Cruz there? Should we play Alaba there? Like, what are our options, dudes? Does Fede Valverde play there? Like, dude, as you know, the meme Chuamani." <laughs> so it's. I just felt like that. I, I if I was him, I'd be like. I'm taking this personally. And I so that's what I was looking for. I, I personally I had decided even if he doesn't play well against Celta, I'm gonna be patient with him. And quite frankly, if he's poor until December, I'd still be kind of patient with him and lenient and say, okay, he's still adapting. 
But I did also decide to and say that if he bounces back and has a great game against Celta, then I'd be even more impressed because that tells me a lot about where his head is at. And he did it. So I, I, that was really encouraging Absolutely. to me, Lucas. Yeah. Absolutely. We didn't even know rumors in Spain suggested that he wasn't probably going to start even. And so, you know, he definitely eyes were on him. Pressure was on him big after, you know, his shaky, if you will, maybe not bad or poor or whatever, but shaky debut against Almeria. So he had all eyes on him and he delivered in a, in a very, very impressive way and mature way for a, even as finished uh, as he is as a product. Uh, it's still impressive to see this uh, from a from a 22 year old in his second game for Real Madrid, which is obviously a big uh, statement in terms of uh, of pressure and, and 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 courage needed to to perform in the in the biggest stage. And I think I thought he, he did great mainly because the, the again the start of the game was really difficult for Madrid. Like uh, until that penalty came. Real Madrid were being dominated and he still showed personality and courage to, to thrive through that and, and bounce back from that and, and be still one of the most impressive players through, during those minutes. So I thought it was it was very impressive. And as you mentioned, you know, being capable of delivering this kind of performance when in this kind of context, definitely there's a reason to be excited about it right now you probably needed to be patient as you mentioned if if he had he not performed well but seeing this performance in in this context definitely gives you assurance that this is a player that's going to be uh, a very important player for Real Madrid yeah what do you think is better for his development had Casemiro stayed for two years and mentored him or him being thrown into the fire right now Again, this is not Camavinga. People tend to to, to, to see Chuameni a different way. I think that Chuameni had already the, the he had all, he had the, the skills and the and the the, the, the talent to be a, a key player for Real Madrid. I started for Real Madrid this season. We all expected or at least thought that he could come for Cas- for the spot with Casemiro right away. So I don't think he needed those two years. To, to learn something. I mean, obviously, it could have been useful to him learning from Casemiro and having Casemiro around. That's for sure. I mean, everyone. But that's for everyone. That's for a 29-year-old player who comes to replace or rotate with Casemiro. I mean, that's not because of age or because of experience and all that, but he was ready. And I don't think he needed this uh, this process of being the, the, the reserve under Casemiro's wing right now. I guess, uh, again, people... I don't think people realize how big of a deal it is to be an undisputed starter for the French national team. And he already had achieved that. And so I don't think, I think it was better for him to, to put himself in the situation of a starting of being a Real Madrid starter right away, at least for his development. I'm not sure about, obviously Real Madrid would be a much better team with Casemiro around. And that's definitely, you, you would have both options, right? And, and the, the more options you have, the, the the better team you are too. So, but in terms of for his own individual development, I think that it would be better for him to to have the role he he will have this season. And that's probably why I also believe that Real Madrid potentially pulled the trigger on Casemiro. Yes, I, I I lean towards that stance as well. Like, 
I've seen it too many times in Real Madrid's history and football history where if you have a really talented player who now, instead of being sporadic backup player who has his development stalled, is actually now really talented but also starting every game, it's just the acceleration is tremendous. And I think for that reason also, if the club really believed that as well, it did make sense. From the financial standpoint, it made sense. From a sporting perspective, now, having said that, I do strongly believe that without Casemiro, our squad is weaker next season. I mean, I mean this season. Absolutely. Then if we were to sell him, which we did, so we are technically, we are weaker without Casemiro in the squad for this season. There's no question. I'm not arguing against that. But I do think it's possible we get a better version of Chiumeni earlier because of this scenario. And again, we, we so many fans kept asking, why did we spend money on Chiumeni? If we already have Casemiro and Chumani is never going to play, well, you got it. Now he's going to play. We we that problem. It's it's a little bit cle- more clear now in this scenario. Um, I did want to go back to what you said about Kamavinga and Chumani playing well together because it's something I also wrote about today. Because I actually went back and rewatched that game, and what I was really impressed with is how those two formed a really good understanding uh, already. And maybe it's a little bit more easier for them because they're both French, they're both young, they seem to have similar interests and they're friends already. But defensively, they had that like between those two and Mendy on that side, like on that side, because they were mostly on the left, Southwell were getting nothing going. Like they couldn't do anything. And the coverage from both of them was tremendous. It was an interchangeability to them where Kamavinga would sometimes drop deeper. They would both drop deep to press. Kamavinga would show as an outlet, and Chuomani is a really good vertical passer, so he was hitting Kamavinga with those passes centrally. It, it worked. And I think, like, if you're an opponent, if you let this combo kind of just marinate a little bit, not even just throughout the season, but throughout the years, maybe you even see it as a double pivot. I think this would work as a double pivot as well. They have similar skill sets. They're both Same. elite tactic tacklers. They're both great box-to-box players. They can probably give a lot of freedom to the wingers and the attackers while securing things defensively. I think it's going to work really well. So if those two just form this synergy together over the years i think it's really hard for an opposing team to look at that go in and try to bypass them not not only because they're physical freaks they're behemoths that like that are built like greek gods but also because they're highly intelligent they're technically gifted i think it's a really promising duo to look forward to for the next few years and i don't know i'm really bad at predicting what happens and i don't know i've been wrong so many times with promising midfielders and stuff so i don't want to say it but but like this could be an interesting era that we're stumbling into with these two I think they have a lot of complementing attributes to make a, a really nice midfield tick. Absolutely. I know the 4-2-3-1 is kind of a dead formation in current football, and everyone seems to play with three midfielders and all that, but mainly because the attacking midfield position doesn't exist anymore in that sense. But if Real Madrid were to find a, a really talented player to to play behind a pure striker, I think that Real Madrid could pull together a, a, a 4-2-3-1 with Chouameli and Camavinga as a double pivot for sure, without needing an extra midfielder to do the work. I think they were brilliant. A part of the of the defensive um, combinations and, and and plays you were talking about, I was also very impressed with their with their passing and how they how they're combined with with passes all throughout the game. I think it was it was brilliant. Also from Camavinga, who also got a fairly shaky uh, start against Almeria in the in that first game. And I think he he also, uh, contrary to what happened with Chumani, 
he needed some time in the game against Celta. I don't think he started as well as Chuameni in that game, but he definitely improved a lot. And and I think he also needed uh, this performance to gain confidence and and show that uh, show Chiloti that he can be trusted for good. And I was very impressed with that uh, partnership. And hopefully there are more many to come in the in the near future. Because as you mentioned, I think Real Madrid have the opportunity to play them both even if it's on a on a double pivot if they if they so need yeah i think double pivot with those two actually can free up room possibly even for a 10 or possibly even for cruz to play a little bit ahead in, the, in a 10 role kind of the way he did with germany when he was playing ahead of Hadera and schweinsteiger there's a lot of options there um what else did you want to talk about today? Anything? I, those are the two main points, Chuomeni and Casemiro, that we needed to talk about. But was there anything else that's on your mind? No, not really. Just um, everyone paying attention to what's going to happen with uh, with Asensio. Ceballos seems to, to be determined to stay now. I think he was also... He'll also get more opportunities throughout the throughout these next few games to to showcase his talent and all that. And ultimately, it seems that Cross and both Cross and and Rodrigo will be back for for next weekend's match against Espanyol. So looking forward to to that one and to see uh, what other midfield combinations and plot he decides to to deploy because that could ultimately be the first time we see uh, Chuameni, Cross, and Modric playing together, which you could think that it might be the Gala 11 in the midfield. You know, if, if Valverde... Also, if Rodrigo is back, we might see Ancelotti hinted at the possibility of be, of using the 4-3-3 once again. So this might... The next game will probably be the, the first opportunity we, we get to see too many uh, cross Modric and, and Rodrigo in the 11, which could be, again, the, the Gala 11, at least against some, some opponents this year. Look forward to it. We got Espanol coming up next weekend and a week of rest. So while Real Madrid rests and focuses on their training, we will continue to put out content for you guys, both in written form and podcast form. Lucas, thank you for your time. This new Monday uh, thank you, segment makes Mondays more enjoyable. You don't like, you know, it's like people. Some yep. people go to bed Sunday night, like, oh fuck, it's Monday tomorrow. I, I can't wait for Monday <laughs> now. So thanks for uh, doing this, and uh, I'll try to I'll try to get a Toronto Raptors hat to match your Nuggets hat. Uh, to bring All some right. a little bit more right. NBA flair for everyone who loves NBA on this podcast. Thanks for your time, Lucas. Talk soon, right. buddy. Thank you, Kian. You too. All right, before we wrap it up and send you along on your way, we wanted to give a quick shout-out to our patrons over on patreon.com slash managingmadrid, but we wanted to give a specific shout-out to our $10-plus patrons because if you pledge $10 or more, you get a specific shout-out on the podcast in addition to getting guaranteed responses to your questions. So shout-out to Brandon Alvarez, Willie Reed, Wei Pering, Wamik Jamal, Umair Mahadi, Tyler Simon, Tobias Royal Botcher, Tarek Goktas, Talib Salhab, Tahmid Kalam, Sujaiwani, Sumanchu Singh, Shivam Tiwari, Sheri Soryo, Sheikh Atiri, Shamil Shabazz Sharapov, Sergio Arispe, Santos Solorzano, Samuli Justin, Samir Z, Said Mahad, Sai Mohan Sasi Kumar, Rodrigo Balmaceda, Rishi D, Phoenix, Peter Powell, Paulo Fierro, Patrick Diafari, Oscar Barrera, Nico Laxo, Nicholas Zapatero Zubiare, Nicholas Moller, um, Nick Ribeiro, next, sorry, Nick Ribeiro, 
Nelson Mazariego, Muxi Thangal, Mowgli, MJ Diego, Michael Zinberg, Marin Myrtle, Matthew Atkins, Martin Ridman, Logan Stahl, Leon Stavernakis, Kunal Tilakar, Crystal Glass, Kevin Rivera, Jose Cruz, John Fernandez, Jeff Thurston, Jason Fitz, Ian Marley, Graham Gerard, Gary Cohut, Frederick Antakiro, Frederick Sundros, Faisal Hamdan, S.A. Davisito, Eloy Enriquez, Edward Sossman, Daniel Williams, Christian Toft, Krishna Costa, Charles Williams, Brendan Powers, Brandon Stevens, Ashik Bashar, Armand Gashi, Armando L., Antons Rudenko, Anirud Singh, Alexis Saniceros, Al, Azaz Hussein, Adrian Rios, Adar Zalukovic, Adam Dorsey, Bella Chow, Varun, Ramtin Magrur, Fabian Moreno, and Daniel Smith. We appreciate you guys so much. Thank you so much for your support. We love you all. And Halamari.